Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Deep Dive. I'm Lachlan Kirkwood, and of course, as every other week, I'm here with Luke Chapman. How are you doing this week, Luke? I'm good. I'm good. Ready to get into some more news. Definitely. So this is our alternating week where we're going to be covering uh, just a bit of a short summary of the must-know kind of digital marketing news in the industry and trying to unravel how that's going to affect um, our listeners as digital marketers themselves. But before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to say that if you could um, literally give a couple of seconds to review our um, podcast on your podcast platform of choice, we would really appreciate that. Um, and of course, we also appreciate if you share it with any of your colleagues or friends on LinkedIn or Twitter and be sure to tag us in that as well, because we'd love to see it. Um, and we also just want to give a bit of a plug to something that we are working on, which is the digital deep dive event series. Do you want to dive into this one a little bit first, Luke? Yeah, sure. So we have attended countless digital and marketing events over the years, and we thought that there's something missing um, from those events. And that is really, uh, I guess, the problem with a lot of events that we've been to is they're trying to cater to a wide audience of people with different backgrounds and different levels of skill, which is great. But what happens is the the speakers and the presentations tend to be fairly top line and fairly generic and, and general in their detail and don't really dive too deeply into specifics or real case studies about, you know, here's the problem, here's what we tried, here's um, the solution and trying to be transparent with some of that detail um, and the learnings and whether, you know, whether that was a, a positive or a negative experience and what they learned out of it. So, yeah, that's really where we want to head with uh, both interviews on the podcast and also doing an event here in Brisbane to start things off. Yeah. Do you want to talk to that a bit more, Lachlan? Yeah. Something that kind of like I thought of in my mind is there's very few moments at an event where um, the panelist or presenter like accidentally says something that is unintentionally really valuable and everyone quickly like jumps to their pen and paper or their phone and writes it down, whether it be like a link to a tool or something that they did. Um, and I guess that what we want to replicate is like an event where the whole um, time that you're listening to a presenter is just that, like you are taking in as much knowledge as possible, as many actionable takeaways um, and being able to really understand, yeah, what someone did from end to end, beginning to finish um, and how you can implement that into your own digital strategies. So yeah, we'll be sure to uh, keep you guys posted on LinkedIn and Twitter of any um, progress we have on the event. But we're starting to source speakers at the moment. Um, we've had a bit of interest from our listeners as well too. So if this is something you'd like to hear, let us know. But yeah, on that, let's dive into this week's digital news. Did you want to kick it off this week, Luke? What did you have that was making news in your week? Sure. So I've got a few different topics to cover. I'll go through some of them quickly and some in a little more detail. We'll try and keep it nice and short. To start with, uh, it's it's pretty much all Google-based, actually. I'm just having a quick look at my uh, my list, and most of it seems very Google-centric. So the first item on the list is some Google search results will now jump to the relevant text on the page, which is something that has been happening uh, on AMP pages before, but now Google is trialing on Chrome desktop version. So what this is, if you... Um, search for something and the answer to that is buried you know halfway down a page 
what will happen with these tests is when you click on it, it'll actually jump you straight down to that section of the page and it will have it highlighted in yellow, the actual uh, answer to your uh, search query. So there's a whole bunch of examples that I can link to in the show notes. Uh, what's new there is really just that they've expanded the testing from AMP pages to any pages um, on Chrome desktop. So it doesn't have to be an AMP page. Why should we care? Well, as um, Barry Schwartz on Search Engine Land pointed out, uh, with this feature, if it becomes more widespread, of course, um, people will potentially skip down past any ads or any calls to action or important things that you've potentially got further up the page. So if it's just jumping them straight down, they may miss some of that stuff. So you might have to think about um, incorporating that into your design thinking when you're um, laying out your page. So maybe moving some or, or copying some calls to action to put them further down at the end of the article or thinking about ad placements if you're a site that runs advertising or or other um, banners and things. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, I think that will be potentially good for um, good for the user. But, yeah, hopefully it's not just going to skip past other useful content as well. So I'm not sure how widespread this will become, but something certainly to be aware of. Also in Google News, they are now showing competitor ads on local business profiles. So it's called a local campaign placement in Google Ads. And what's the problem here, I guess, is that they're actually showing up in the local listing. So the example I've seen here, which I'll link to in the show notes. So someone in the US gave this example where they searched on mobile for Browning Dodge, which is the name of a Dodge car dealership. And it comes up with the usual local business information where it's got the you know the ratings and a bit of information, their address, there's a call button, a website button, and a map. But buried in between some of those buttons and then the map is actually an ad, which is not really obvious that it's an ad at first glance, especially when you're used to just having the, the business listing there. Um, but it's actually an ad for a competitor's uh, car, so Toyota Tacoma. So someone searching for a Dodge, they might also be in the market for a, a Toyota Tacoma. So it's it's a bit sneaky that you're now able to bid on these ads that will show up right in the middle of somebody else's business listing when someone has searched specifically for that business. So one definitely to watch out for there. Um, you can't really prevent anyone from getting that spot even though essentially that Google My Business profile is part of your business. Google has just decided to stick a competitor's ad right in the middle of it. So surely that's going to, well, basically it's going to piss off a lot of businesses. Um, I wouldn't be too happy if that was happening on my listing. I think it might just be on mobile at the moment, but one to watch out for there. If you have any great ideas of how to get away from that, (laughs) um, I'd be all ears, but... uh, yeah, potentially that's going to affect the click-through rates on people's listings. But I guess if you if you are advertising on Google, then one to be aware of as well that you can actually bid for those placements. 
also in news for Google My Business, if you have a GMB listing with a service area based business, so for example, if you're, um, I don't know, a, a plumber or an electrician or something like that, where you have clients uh, within a certain radius or area that you service, but you don't necessarily have a physical uh, location. Google has been making changes to those listings on, on GMB. Uh, it's been happening for a while, but now they're, I guess, making a hard cutoff. So there won't um, be any more radius or distance-based um, listings because you know it's not always the case that you can just draw a circle around your business and you service everything in that area. Um, so now they're changing it to specific places that you service, so um, suburbs or zip codes or postcodes, um, localities that you service. So most people will have already made those changes at some point in the past, or if you've signed up for an account more recently, you probably didn't even have the option for the the radius-based targeting. But what you should do is... If you're not sure, log into Google My Business and have a look because Google is automatically changing those over to um, certain locations uh, rather than just a big circle around your um, address. So log in and just double check that the areas listed are actually areas that you service. Uh, Another update in... Actually, this is a WordPress update, but it will affect how you show up on Google or potentially don't show up on Google. So in WordPress, there's an option um, that you can tick. So for example, if you're if you are building a new site and it's not quite ready yet, you might uh, select the checkbox in the options in WordPress that says discourage search engines from indexing this site. Um, so you might do that if you're yeah if your site's under development or if your site has duplicate content on it for some reason or something like that. Basically, you don't want um, search engines to be indexing your site. The problem with that is in the past and up until now, they have been using the robots.txt file to block indexing your whole website, which in theory is great, but it doesn't always work. Um, it will potentially stop Google from crawling your website, but they can still index some of your pages. It's a little bit confusing, but essentially in a nutshell, it wasn't a foolproof method of doing it. So what they're doing now is when you, it won't have any um, change to the end user in terms of what you have to do. You still just select that box. But now instead of using robots.txt, they'll actually use robots meta tags on all the individual pages, which is a much safer way uh, to be sure that Google will not index those pages or other search engines too, uh, potentially. And my last one this week is, I know (laughs) Lachlan and I had planned to only do two or three items, but I got a little bit carried away. Hopefully it's not going to take too long. The last one for me is uh, also to do with AMP pages, which I've mentioned a couple of times already. But um, So AMP, for those that don't know, is accelerated mobile pages. But now you can actually add custom JavaScript to AMP pages, which is great because AMP pages are pretty cut down. They're meant to load really fast. However, part of the problem with that is that you haven't been able to load any JavaScript on them before. So... Um, That means that some websites have, um, if you go to the AMP version of the pages, they're a bit of a a cut down version of the page and might be missing some functionality. So you can now use the uh, AMP script component 
to uh, add yeah custom JavaScript to your app pages. There are some restrictions and and ways to go about it. So um, it's compatible with um, React, Angular, jQuery, and a few other frameworks uh, of JavaScript. It doesn't change the page content without user interaction. So basically, someone will have to click on a button or do something in order to trigger that JavaScript. Um, so, for example, if they click a button and then it pops something up, or um, you know, you might be using it for form validation, making sure they're filled in a field with a correct email address or something like that. Um, but basically, it, it will only load on user interaction. It won't modify the page um, when it first loads. So, um, and also in terms of keeping with the the whole point of AMP pages is to keep the size down. So. Um, the script has to be less than 150 kilobytes. So I'll link to all the details on that one. But essentially, I think good news in terms of adding a little bit more functionality to to AMP pages. So I've probably spent my 10 minutes there, Lachlan, um, and I believe you have a couple more items that you've wanted to, to share. That is all good. As I said before the show, I probably have two items that are of good news uh so i don't have much so hopefully this will be under a 30 minute episode but um the two things i guess i want to touch base on first thing which is really quick is just that my favorite platform tiktok um just announced a partnership with the nfl over in america um so essentially what this means is that they're going to be creating original content for the nfl from their uh, branded profile and also from the nfl teams um, and there's also going to be promoted challenges. So I guess what this means for digital marketers is that if you are in the sport um, industry and you are targeting users in the United States, you should definitely keep an eye out for some of these promoted challenges because they're going to drive quite a bit of engagement. Um, but it also just speaks to the um, ubiquity of TikTok. Just again, as we touched base on a deep dive last week, Luke, it's just becoming so much bigger in the States at the moment, um, which is really exciting to see. That's literally it for that story. And the last thing that I wanted to cover this week. Yeah, so, oh, sorry, you go. Sorry, I was just going to say on that one. Um, yeah, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, it wasn't. Uh, it was not a news update. It was a deep dive only episode, and that was uh, all the way into TikTok and how to use it and all the different features. And yeah, part of that is explaining all about um, promoted hashtags and competitions and things, um, challenges rather. So um, if you have no idea what Lachlan's talking about, I recommend you listen to last week's episode as well. It was actually really good after we published that. Like a lot of people on LinkedIn actually kind of reached out to me and just kind of asked about like my thoughts on how to create content and like mentioned that they were also using the platform and they'd found really good engagement from like what they've started with. Um which is, yeah, it's good to see like people are starting to migrate over to the platform and convince a lot of my friends to get started on there as well too. So we're all trying to see what works and what doesn't on there. So, of course, if I have any updates, I'll be the first to try and share them with you guys as well too. So the other last thing that I wanted to mention, this is probably the biggest thing um, that kind of made news in my world for digital marketing this week is that um, you probably read that YouTube ran into a bit of trouble with the FTC um, just for violating the um, copper uh, regulations, which is just um, a protection legislation to um, protect children under the age of 13 uh, from being targeted with ads and having their data recorded. So 
YouTube was fined $170 million for violating this um, as they were essentially collecting data from users under the age of 13 or they weren't, I guess, moderating um, users off the platform that were under the age of 13. So you may have seen this week, Luke, that um, YouTube also released um, YouTube Kids for Web um, as opposed to just the actual uh, standalone app itself. Um, So that was kind of them preparing for this case. Um, is that now they have a dedicated place for children on the web Um, and it's a watered-down version of YouTube essentially. Um, It's not really much to it. Um, But I guess what does this mean for digital marketers? Uh, There was actually quite a few takeaways, um, which was surprising, but the way it works for brands is that YouTube will no longer be able to collect data from uh, any kid-related videos or child-related videos. Um, so this is anything that's deemed as family-friendly content, and this can be very broad, I guess, because you could almost count like gaming videos, so anyone streaming Minecraft or um, anyone unwrapping presents or toys, doing like box releases. Um, and brands will no longer be able to target users based on interests or age um, that are specific for children. Um, so if you are, let's say, like a toy manufacturer um, you're no longer really going to be able to use YouTube um, to target ads on children based videos which is obviously going to be quite damaging if that's where you were focusing a lot of your digital marketing efforts Um, and uh, you still though if you are a brand you can serve ads on the platform but these are only broad based ads on general interests so you won't be able to target, as I said, um, specific videos from specific creators or um, any family-friendly content. So you're definitely going to start to see that your um, digital ads are going to be a lot less effective. Um, But on the other side of this, there was quite a serious kind of repercussion for creators themselves. So this um, fine was a bit more than just the $170 million fine that YouTube was given. It also went one step further and actually included the creators themselves who are creating this content for children. So YouTube, part of the agreement was that they have to introduce a new way for creators to indicate if a video is um, specifically targeted for children or family-friendly content. What it will do is it will um, turn off the ability to monetize these videos through ads so they won't be able to run targeted ads on these videos. Um, And on top of that, it'll also turn off comments and notifications for this video. Now, on the top level view, that doesn't seem like much, but when you put it into perspective YouTube's algorithm and the way it works is that when a creator um, publishes a video, they can send notifications to their subscribers. Uh, These subscribers can get that in real time and then they can go and engage with that video and that will um, promote that video on the algorithm as quality content. Um, which will give it a boost whether or not it's on the discover page or in the top of someone's subscriber feed Um, and same with comments comments are a really um, important weight for youtube's algorithm um, to determine whether or not the content is of quality or if it's driving meaningful engagements Um, so any creators that are creating videos for children won't have these ability anymore so there was quite a bit of a dispute saying that um, there's pretty much going to be no market or n- no real incentive to be creating content for children anymore. 
So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Now, if creators don't indicate that a video is specifically for children and it does violate terms, so let's say if it's um, promoting a particular product um, through a paid partnership and the creator doesn't disclose this, the creator can actually personally be fined themselves or even kicked off YouTube's platform. So that was really interesting to see that, um, as I mentioned, FTC was actually targeting creators as well too. So from what I can see from all of this and taking everything away is that one, brands aren't going to be able to effectively target ads for um, any children or any children-related products or services. On the flip side of this is that creators, although they will have to disclose that any videos are um, safe for children and they'll lose those privileges such as running ads, comments and notifications, I think that the only way for brands to um, particularly target younger users themselves is through paid partnerships with creators as influencers. Um, now, although those influencers won't be able to monetize their ad through ad revenue, it could mean that these brands are going to have to start paying more for these influencer partnerships. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Um, from what I read, they don't actually have to start implementing anything until January next year. So there is a couple of months there for it, a um, bit of leeway to see how it plays out. Um, but on top of that, YouTube did announce that they were also creating a $100 million fund to help uh, fund some video content um, specifically for children. So creators can opt into that as well and get funding to incentivize them for that. But yeah, it was really interesting to read this on like, Sorry. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch this unravel throughout the week. Um, every day there was a new article coming in with a new perspective from creators, YouTube, and the government regulating the restrictions as well too. But did you get a chance to look into this one this week, Luke? Did it land in your Twitter feed? Yeah, I um, I thought it was quite interesting and there seems to be a bit of a blurred line maybe with, um, you know, it's one thing to target ads on, on specific channels, um, you know, actual video ads that, that come up before or during the video. But, you know, like you say, there are so many channels around. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of the Ryan Toys Reviews um, ones. I don't know if you've seen those. I, but that, yeah. I know so many people with little kids and they, they just love it. Like just watching this kid unbox toys and play with them. Um, but he's making millions of dollars or his parents are at least. I don't know <laughs> what they do with the money. Um, but like the whole channel is essentially, I'm sure they're getting paid a heap of money by, um, you know, the toy companies to actually feature them. So to me, that's kind of a very blurry line. Like I can't see YouTube kicking him off the channel, even though kids don't, you know, really realize that these things are, are sponsored or paid or even care about that. Um, yeah, so I'm sure you might, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to, um, stop people advertising on there or they'll have to disclose it more clearly, but yeah, I don't know. There does seem to be a bit of a gray area, I think. One other thing as I, I couldn't touch base on it before is that some of the videos that make YouTube what it is, so all the Fortnite videos, the Minecraft tutorials, the live streams as well, like they are all specifically created for a younger audience so um just kind of following up on the news a couple of weeks ago that ninja one of the most popular um, or upcoming youtube live streamers for um gaming videos um just signed a partnership with mixer which is microsoft's alternative to like twitch and 
YouTube gaming. Um, it'd be really interesting to see if like uh, these regulations, if they really do affect these kind of gaming categories, if they migrate over to Mixer, which I mean, currently isn't facing the same regulations, but it could potentially um, follow in YouTube's footsteps. But yeah, like I think it's just a lot of it's up in smoke at the moment and it's going to be a while before we can actually figure out what this means. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of put a bit of a touch on it and um, kind of see what it actually means for digital marketers as opposed to just kind of reading the headlines and just seeing that, you know, uh, YouTube's in controversy again. So if you're a brand, you know, targeting younger users, you should really start thinking about um, diversifying your digital strategy. But yeah, that's all I had this week. It was a very short week. As I mentioned to you before this episode, Luke, I just wanted to kind of touch base on a lot of the good news stories this week. Um, although that last one probably wasn't. But they wanted to Yeah, there, there really wasn't. TikTok is partnering with the NFL. <laughs> there you go. Um, something, something, sticker pack. Yeah, you know, there was no, uh, no sticker pack or story features this week. Um, I did just see, though, and I wasn't going to mention this, but to be honest, this is the shortest episode we've ever recorded, so I'm going to stretch it out. Um, I don't know if anyone's in the Social Media Geek Out group, um, which is hosted by Matt Navarra. I just um, I shared some new features coming to Facebook. Um, essentially, it's just like a curated video of your Instagram – sorry, your Facebook story um, – archive as memories i shared that because i got access to that the other morning um, in that group and he just retweeted it and tagged me which is exciting (laughs) nothing nothing big but that's just going to fill in the end of this episode so if you're on twitter you're you're famous online now (laughs) i haven't got one more follower since it happened (laughs) that is okay (laughs) but on that note, if you are on Twitter, um, jump on, follow me at Lachlan Kirkwood or head over to my website if you want to learn anything else from my personal blog and that is www.lachlankirkwood.com and where can we find you, Luke? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter at Digital Peddler and if you want to go to a website, go to Lachlan's because he updates it more than I update mine. And if you're looking for case studies, jump over to my new platform, clickthrough.marketing, um, which just gives a bit more of in-depth uh, insights into digital marketing case studies. Um, and on that note, that's pretty much everything we had to cover this week. So again, if you enjoyed the content in this episode, be sure to uh, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, that is this week's episode of the Digital Deep Dive.